Well, hey, it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, we want to start uh, this morning by reading the text. Uh, I'm going to continue on the uh, series that Pastor Brian has been preaching on, Nothing to Lose. And this morning we want to look at uh, 2 Timothy 1, 11 to 18. So if you want to stand with me, and uh, I'm going to read this text. Uh, if you have your, your Bibles, I think we had a page number up here, maybe just before that. So uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and... Uh, Stephen will, will bring one to you. But 2 Timothy, I mean, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 11. This is what uh, Paul writes. He says, And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching which you learned from me, a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show special kindness to Onesimus and all of his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. Uh, You may have a seat. It's been uh, fun for me to kind of meditate and marinate in 2 Timothy over the last three weeks. Uh, preparing for for this uh, time to be with you. And uh, one of the things that has really impressed me is the love and camaraderie that the Apostle Paul had with Timothy. Uh, Here in 2 Timothy, Paul's in prison in Rome. Uh, He's coming to the end of his ministry. And so he writes this letter to Timothy, who has done ministry together. They've, They've walked the journey together. They've suffered together. They've experienced the joy of leading people to Jesus. And seeing them grow in their faith. And so now Paul is writing this letter. And and part of his intention is to encourage Timothy with the important things of the Christian life. And and the things that he needs to do to encourage other believers. One of the things that that Paul uh, focuses on, especially in these verses, is the fact that uh, he's encouraging Timothy to be the guardian of truth. And to remember the things that Paul has laid out for him. And to continue to share those as he continues in ministry. Uh, it's no secret, and you all know this, that uh, truth is under attack in America today. And uh, we see it more and more in, in our culture because our culture is walking away from God. Our culture is choosing to live for itself, and that shouldn't surprise us. But God has called us as believers to walk with Jesus. And so the, the reality is that we have opportunities to be a witness to the culture, a witness to people that don't know God, and, and say to them, look, uh, there is a way to live, there is a truth that we want to share with you, and it's a truth that you can count on. And so Paul begins by uh, wanting Timothy to understand this. That uh, In a sense, he's saying, look, Timothy, don't be surprised when people come and uh, they attack the core values of the Christian faith. Because if they don't want to follow God, that will be the natural inclination of the human heart. And so that shouldn't surprise us as, as we 
uh, walk in our culture. Uh, There's more to being a guardian of truth than having a knowledge of the Bible. We live, they say, in a postmodern world, and I've always said, what does that mean? And, and in reality, it means that people are defining truth according to their own experience. And uh, they're walking away from moral truth. And so today, as, as a culture, as we talk about what's right and wrong, uh, we see less and less of a conviction and a unity as a culture about what that means. Paul challenges us based on this truth of who Christ is, that we need to grow in this truth. And it needs to be a part of our life more and more. And as we grow with Jesus, that truth is going to be evident not only to us, but to the culture. And so the first point I, I want to make is, is this. The foundation of biblical truth takes root as we grow in relationship with Christ Jesus. Look at verse 14. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to keep those open because we're going to refer to a number of, of uh, verses in the text here. Uh, and try to understand what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says here, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. When Jesus was on trial before Pilate, Pilate asked him the question, what is truth? And people are asking that question today. What is truth? What does it mean to hold on to something that is firm? Uh, Webster's Dictionary tells us that truth is a state of being the case. It's fact. Truth is in accordance with reality. Another way we can say it is that truth is what we know to be consistent and accurate about reality. Truth is important. Why? Because we organize our life around truth. We know that uh, tomorrow is going to be a 24-hour day. Uh, we don't go to sleep tonight wondering, well, is tomorrow going to be 36 hours or 48 hours? You see, that's a reality that we, we can hang on to. And in the spiritual realm, there is also truth. Jesus says in Romans 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And so one of the things that as believers we can hang on to is this, that God is truth. God actually defines and sets truth for us because he never changes. And a God that never changes is a God that when he makes a promise to us, we can know that for now and for all eternity, that is going to be reality. That's going to be truthful. Uh, it's not going to change. Paul says to Timothy, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So the question is, what is this precious truth that he is supposed to guard? If you look in verses 9 to 10, Paul talks uh, about what that means. He says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to live a holy life. And he did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of us, uh, and he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way of life and in, in immortality through the good news. This is the precious news that, that we can hang on to. What is that? It's, it's the fact that Jesus Christ came to bring us new life. He came to transform our life. And this is to become more and more real in our lives every day. So, so Paul is, is really saying to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to understand something. The things that, that you experienced in your coming to Christ, and now as you're walking with Christ in your daily life, hang on to that. 
This is more than just intellectual truth. What I'm talking about here, Paul says, is a relational truth that, that, that is lived out in our life day by day. And we can know that it's going to work because as we live life's experiences, we see that God is faithful in what he's doing to us. So the question for us is, how are we experiencing Jesus in our life? We, we can look at the Christian life and say, well, uh, you know, this is, this is a religious experience. I go to church on Sunday morning. Uh, we sing some songs and I hear a sermon and then I can go back and live my life the way I've always lived it. Or we can do what Paul is exhorting Timothy to do here. And he says, Timothy, live your, day, your life moment by moment with Jesus. Because as you do that, this truth will be rooted in you. You might say, well, I've been, I've been trying to do that, but it hasn't always worked out so well. Uh, I understand biblical truth, but sometimes what, what I think who God is and the way he should work, he doesn't always work that way. And so we, we question what does it mean to, to live in holiness and what does it mean to, to walk with Jesus? And so I want to, uh, in point two, I, I want us to understand this, that we proclaim and teach what we experience to be true in our life with Christ. We proclaim and teach what we experience to be true in our life with Christ. If you look at verse 13, Paul exhorts Timothy. He says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me. A pattern shaped by two things, by faith and love, that you have in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying here that there is a pattern to spiritual growth. There is a pattern to assimilating this truth into our lives. And if we're going to share it with other people, then we have to begin in our own experience. And it has to become part of us. Paul says that this pattern includes two things. It includes faith and it includes love. Faith The faith that Paul is talking about is to say, I believe the promises of God and I'm going to incorporate those into my life. So it is a a point where we're coming and we're saying, even though I don't understand everything that is written in the scriptures, by faith, by by hope in what Jesus has done, I'm going to begin to live and and act within that reality. So for us to, to walk with Jesus means that we have to live by faith. The second thing is that we need to experience God's love in our life. There's more to, to what Paul says than that, uh, uh, than that I'm loving God. But I think Paul is referring to the fact that God loves us. This morning we talked about, we sang about God's love, didn't we? That God's love is never ending. That is, it is beyond um, uh, what we can hope because it, it's bigger than, than what we can even imagine. And Paul is saying, look, Timothy, you have experienced, you have tasted this love of God. God has forgiven you. Your guilt has been removed. Your shame has been removed. You're now part of the family of God and you've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And so continue to walk in that love. How do we experience that love? I think part of this journey is that every day we have to get up and intentionally look for how God's action is involved in our lives. We invite Christ to live with us. Each day we get up and and we say, Jesus, would you be with me today? Would you open my eyes to what you're doing? The early church, they had a practice. They called it uh, practicing the presence of God. And there's even a, a book by that title by Brother Lawrence. You might want to read it. But his goal was to say, every moment, every time I'm involved in doing something, this guy spent a lot of his life washing dishes in a monastery. And he said, every act that I do is an act of worship and is an act of relationship with Jesus. And so as I go through my day, I'm inviting Jesus to be a part of what I do. 
And so that was an intention of that was how, this is how I experienced God's love in my life. You know, part of this journey is also about living in Christian community. And, and this morning I was really encouraged uh, to see your love for um, uh, the Spinalis as they come in and as, as you're blessing them go. You know, there's always pain in, in people that we love in having them leave. But I think the joy that I want to encourage you as a congregation to to experience today is that you're sending them out to do the work of God. And you've loved them and you've uh, in, built into their lives, you've encouraged them, and now they're going to go and encourage other people in, in Pennsylvania, no less. And so that's, I just want to bless you guys as you go. It's an, an incredible experience. And I know Mike has been uh, longing to, to move into the pastor for a while, and I'm just excited that God is honoring him and blessing him uh, with that opportunity. Part of what, um, if you look on the screen, there's a, a, a diagram that I want to explain, kind of how this process works. Um, I want to, uh, the guy that kind of helped me understand this, a, a guy by the name of Keith Matthews, he's a professor at Azusa Pacific, and uh, for the last four years I've been meeting with a group of Mennonite Brethren pastors, and we're talking about what does it mean uh, to grow in this relationship with Jesus. We talk about spiritual transformation in our own lives first, but also in, in how that impacts our relationship with others. And uh, uh, I think part of the way that we understand how we grow in this relationship with Jesus and how our lives are spiritually transformed in what we want to call the cycle of spiritual transformation. Obviously, the place where it begins is knowledge. You cannot understand God's love until you begin to read the story of the Bible, right? And, and the whole purpose of the Bible is that we can see how God has acted in human history. We, through, the, through reading the scripture, we come to understand uh, who God is, his character, his love. Uh, we see how he works with humanity. We see how he wants to work in our lives. And so the starting point of spiritual renewal and transformation is our knowledge of the Bible. And so that's part of the reason that we encourage each other day by day to get into the word. And I hope that you have the practice on a daily basis of taking out your Bible and in some form or other reading a portion of Scripture. And as you read the portion of Scripture, say, Jesus, what do you want me to what do you want to say to me today from your text? What do you want me to learn about my relationship from from with you from this text? And so knowledge is a start. And often in in the church we have put, I would say in the evangelical, even the Anabaptist Mennonite Brethren churches, we put a huge emphasis on our knowledge. And it's a good thing, because without knowledge we can't grow. But what I want to encourage us with today, it can't stop there. Because knowledge has to be worked out in experience. And so part of what happens there is as we live this, we take this knowledge and then we move it into our lives. And we say, okay, does this, is this true? Does God really love me? And as we walk through life and as we walk through different experiences, we experience God's love in our life. And so part of that journey is to say, uh, how am I incorporating what I know into my life? How am I inviting God to transform me through my everyday experiences? And then the last part of this, which I think often we, we forget or we just aren't aware of, is that we need to have a debrief. A debrief is basically sharing with other people what's happened in our life. Uh, talking about the experience and saying, hey, you know what? Um... Last week I was struggling. I had a lot of fear. And as I prayed and I invited Jesus to come and help me, he, he, he removed that fear from my heart. 
Because he gave me a, bit, a bigger picture of who he is. And he helped me understand his grace and his love. And so debrief is a way of telling our story and getting feedback from other people. Because other Christians can say, yeah, you know, I've struggled with fear in my, my life as well. I've struggled with anxiety. And God has, has helped me at my point of need. And so part of this journey of spiritual transformation is that, that we're getting into the word we're taking the word and experience it in our life and then we're sharing that experience with other people and saying, look, this is what God's doing. And they affirm that and then we begin that cycle again. And, and part of this journey of spiritual transformation is that this kind of stuff is happening day in and day out. Sometimes we're not even aware of it, but we're living these experiences. And sometimes we have an experience where we say, well, you know what? God didn't do what I expected, so I don't know if I trust him. And that's when we need other Christians to come alongside and say to us, no, you're missing the point. Or, or you, you, you're, there, there's an aspect of this that you, you don't understand yet. So keep trusting God and God is going to reveal himself to you. Let me, let me illustrate this uh, point in, in, from my own personal experience. About two months ago, I was, in, uh, I was leading a team of, of MB pastors. Uh, we were in Central Asia. And we were visiting one of our workers there. And we went through the Istanbul airport. Uh, we'd been in Ephesus and we came back. Our flight was supposed to get back at 7. We didn't get back till 7.30. And uh, we were supposed to go to the international terminal, but because we were late, we took taxis and went to our hotel. We got to the hotel in the evening, and on the news was uh, reports of this terrorist attack at the Istanbul airport. And uh, we missed it by anywhere from 15 minutes to a half an hour. And the guys on our team were, I guess you could say we were a little concerned. Um, the emotion, that, the initial emotion, I think, that, that people experienced was fear. Like, let's call our travel agent, let's get out of here as soon as we can. But one of the things that I, I realized as, as we were living that experience was that I didn't have that kind of fear. And the reason I didn't have that fear is because 26 years earlier, Linda and I had been missionaries in Medellin, Colombia. And we were there for about a year and a half during the drug war. And it was a violent time. There was terrorist bombings happening every day. And people in the city lived with this incredible amount of fear because we would have people come in and saying to us, hey, uh, we need to talk about God now because I don't know if tomorrow I walk out of my house, a bomb's going to blow me up. And I remember that journey of fear and thinking, God, what do I do? I have a wife and three young kids. Where are you in this? Because intellectually I knew God would protect me. But you see, I had to live the experience to say, God, but will you really protect me? Can I really trust you? And there was a journey that God and I walked through. And one day he finally revealed to me in the word through, through a verse. And, and he said, look, Galen, I'm going to take care of you because I'm your shepherd. And I'm the shepherd that even carries the young around his neck. And, and I had this image of, of Jesus carrying this little baby lamb around his neck, and he, he was saying to me, Galen, you know what? I'm big enough to take care of this stuff. Now, you just do what I'm told, telling you to do, and it'll all be fine. And the, the experience of being able to let go of anxiety and trust God became a part of my life in that, in that moment. Part of what we're doing in this journey is we're saying, Lord, I don't understand everything about how you work, but I'm willing for you to show me. Will you show me? And so I know that God is in that process of, of showing us his reality, his truth in our lives. 
Lastly, Paul reminds Timothy to be a guardian of truth by telling others. And point three says the truth of the gospel becomes powerful to others as they witness our transformed life. Uh, If you look in verse 11, Paul says, And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. You see, God doesn't give us a good news just so that we can enjoy it and be safe and not do anything about it. He wants us to share the good news. He wants us to be active in sharing that with other people. And Paul says, look, God's called me to do that. He's also called the church to do that. That's our mission, right? To share the good news with other people. Telling the story of, of uh, good news was, was what Paul did. And um, I think often we forget that the world, the reason the world needs for us to tell them is because the message that we have is so foreign to them and it's so contrary to what the world's values are that they need somebody to not only tell them but to live in front of them what that means. And uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching the Olympics or watched the Olympics, but I was amazed uh, as I watched... Uh, two young men that were on the, they did the synchronized platform dive, diving, uh, Steele Johnson and David Baudia. Uh, and as they interviewed them on television, uh, listen to what they said about their relationship with Jesus. What an incredible testimony, isn't it? Uh, this was at the Olympic trials. I, I saw it on the news during the Olympics after they won. I think they won either the gold or the bronze or the silver or the bronze. But after that, they interviewed them again in the Olympic Games. And both of the guys said the same thing. They said, you know what, our identity, this is awesome. But our identity is in Christ. We're here to serve Jesus first. And, and I just had to stop and say, what a testimony first to us in the church to remind us that our identity isn't in what we do. It's in Jesus. But then for them to say to the world, look, all, all of this that we're, we're doing here, it's incredible, but it's, it's not what defines who we are. Our definition is in Jesus. And the world needs to hear those kinds of stories from us. They need to hear the fact that, that uh, God makes a difference in our lives. And so this morning as, as we close, I, I want to ask you something. Are you inviting Christ to transform your life? You see, it, it's one thing to come to church. It's one thing to live life. The gospel's over here, but we're living life over here. And it's another thing to say, no. Lord, if I'm going to be the kind of person that is a guardian of truth, then I'm going to be on my own initiative saying day by day, Jesus, will you come and transform me? I want to walk with you and I want to experience your power in my life different today than I did yesterday. I want to to be able to look back in the next 12 months and, and if I ask my spouse or somebody that's close to me, so what is different about my journey with Jesus? that they could say, you know what, you're more patient today. I've noticed that you're more loving. You're less anxious. And that only comes as we intentionally say to Jesus, Lord, today I want to invite you to come and walk with me. It means also that we invite uh, the world, or that that we go and we're a witness to the world. And um, there's a lot of ways that we're doing this. I just want to encourage you as a church, as you're reaching out, you're doing what God wants you to do. And, and in mission, I haven't talked a lot about mission today, but in mission, that's what we're doing is we're going and we're telling the good news to people. The last slide that I have, just a, uh, an invitation to an event that we're doing. Actually here, you guys are, have been gracious to invite us to come. On October the 2nd, uh, we're going to have a 
dessert night, and we've got two guys coming. One of them uh, is from Panama, Aynard. He's actually a Colombian, but he's been working in leadership development with our, our churches in, in Panama. And the other one, some of you guys might know Gary Preeb, um, of the famous Preeb clan. Uh, he's going to be sharing. He's been in, in uh, uh, Congo here recently. And he's going to share about how God has been working there. So we want you to come and, and just hear stories of life transformation and how God is at work. Uh, let us pray. Lord Jesus, it's really all about you. Before we, uh, as we sang this morning, give me Jesus. Lord, that is a cry of our hearts that, that, that you would come and that we would experience you in ways that would surprise us in ways that, that we would experience your love in, in new and incredible areas of our life. Lord, that the, the things that we struggle with, that you would give us victory because we're walking with you, we're looking for you. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters here at Bethany that you would make that a reality in, in their lives. Lord, give them a passion to walk with you, to know you. And Lord, use them as they reach out into their community. Make them guardians of truth as they not only live it out, but as they share that truth with other people. In your name we pray. Amen.